Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host, my name is Joseph Scrimshaw, with me as almost always is a special guest. It is a small sip of whiskey, ah, but this show, the whiskey, is extra special because I have placed it in a specific liquor conveyance device. And that is a red Solo cup. Yes, I'm going all Solo. So here is a sip to Solo. Ah, 
tastes like the Nerf leather that Han's jacket is made out of, according to the official guide. Anyway, on we go with the show. This is the first episode of Star Wars Counseling released after the big, wide release of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Our last episode came out on May 25th, just the same day that the movie did. And that episode, if you want to go back and listen and you haven't, I talked a little bit about uh, this whole need versus want thing in uh, Star Wars movies and this whole idea of the divided uh, fan base and ways to find joy in Star Wars even when there is a lot of debate. And I was relatively successful in doing that. I love Solo. I have seen this movie four times, and I have a ticket to go see it a fifth time in the theater. Now, obviously, obviously, the film has had some struggles at the box office, but it seems like people have really been enjoying the movie. Still, to this day, the movie's been out three weeks now. Into the day I'm recording this, I'm seeing tweets of like, wait, I saw Solo. I really enjoyed it. What was everyone so upset about? So I was really interested uh, when I sent out a request, both on Twitter and on our Patreon page for Force Center. I sent out the requests for grievances about Solo. And I was so very curious to see what I would get back. Not only what are the actual grievances, but what are the volume of grievances. And it was very interesting that... A lot of people just responded, my only grievance is I wish other people liked the movie. Now, people did send in grievances, uh, particularly on Patreon. People sent in a lot of fun, nuanced grievances that we will be getting to. But here's the deal. When I went to see Last Jedi on the Thursday preview night, before I got out of the theater, my phone was blowing up with grievances. A lot of them we dressed, a lot of them people have come around to, a lot of them are just things that people will always not like about The Last Jedi. But in contrast to that, it was amazing to see not as vociferous of a cry for, this bugs me, I need help with this, coming from Solo. I'm just reporting the facts as I have experienced them hosting a show called Star Wars Counseling. You interpret those facts however you would like, dear listener. But there are some solo grievances, so I'm going to get into one on this particular episode, and I'll be getting to more of them over the next several episodes. Uh, the next episode, in fact, is with Star Wars Explained, both Alex Damon and Molly Damon, the duo who produced that great YouTube show and are friends of us here on Force Center, and the one, the only, my partner along with Jennifer on the Force Center podcast feed, Ken Knapsack, is also going to be on that episode talking about his grievances, talking about Alex and Molly's grievances, and one from the audience. But that's not this episode. This episode is this episode, and here is what we are going to talk about. How Solo got his name. By far, that was the number one grievance that people tweeted or responded to Patreon about. So I pulled out a couple of example grievances because they come at it from a lot of different perspectives. John Lampus says, I can't help but feel the way Han got his surname just wasn't as satisfying as it could have been. Why wasn't it written as a family name? I was way more interested in hearing more about Han's father and family from the bit we heard than Han effectively being named by an Imperial. Eric King says, I need some help with one aspect of Solo A Star Wars Story. Han doesn't seem to know or remember his family name early in the film, but later recalls the specific type of ship his father helped build and wanted to pilot. How? 
And then finally, Jake Engel on Patreon says, My grievance is about Han getting his last name from some random Imperial. It just doesn't make sense because he remembers his dad. Look, there's a lot of dad grievances out there, so let's dig into Han Solo, his dad, that Imperial who gave him his name, and how to feel better about it, if at all possible. Now I'm going to try to walk through the way I see it in a linear way, and then I'll offer some different bits of counseling at the end. I think in order to fully appreciate how Han got his name and his relationship with his father, his people, his family, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the film, and I mean the real beginning. Not the Lucasfilm logo, not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but rather that opening non-crawl, the opening static paragraphs. I think it's important that it clarifies that Lady Proxima runs a group of runaways. That specific word, runaways. This isn't like so many other stories in Star Wars where children were kidnapped. This isn't the Jedi. The Jedi didn't technically kidnap. You know what I mean. Uh, Or the First Order, who is technically kidnapping children. This is a situation of a runaway. This is very obviously a Charles Dickens situation where a lower-level criminal, in this case Lady Proxima and the rest of her white worms, are taking advantage of what is ever, whatever is going on culturally, socially, economically in Corellia to create a wealth of runaways, a wealth of young children who don't have people that she can take in, she can give them guidance and protection, and in return they are going to steal for her. So the the opening non-crawl is telling us Han is a runaway, that he either chose to leave his family or something awful happened to his family. He also says specifically on the cockpit of the old Falcon that he did not get along with his father. So maybe Han really is truly a runaway. He left for a reason. So maybe it is that he does know his surname, but he rejects it. Whatever happened with his family that caused him to run away is something that also caused him to say, I don't want that name. That name isn't me. He rejects his family name as a possibility. If it is true that Han, as a young runaway on Corellia, rejected his own last name because he didn't want to represent what it stood for, that creates some really interesting rhythm with his son, Ben rejecting the name of Ben Solo and instead going with Kylo Ren, unless the name Kylo Ren was given to him by a recruitment officer at the First Order. I don't think that happened, but that would be some amazing Star Wars poetry, wouldn't it? So that, to me, is the first step. Han is a runaway. Something happened with his family. And at this point, I'm enjoying that as tip-of-the-iceberg storytelling. That's a phrase that I use a lot. I think it goes back to the original Star Wars when the Clone Wars are just mentioned, and you're like, what's that? And the Kessel Run is just mentioned, and you're like, what's that? And, of course, as time goes on, that's a huge debate that we have as Star Wars fans. How much of the iceberg do we want to see? We saw the whole Kessel Run iceberg in the solo film. Some people like that. Some people have problems with that. But I think this illustrates that even as Star Wars fills out, even as it shows us more and more of its icebergs, there are more tips to be had. And I think uh, this is a great tip of the iceberg example where you could imagine many different things happening in Han Solo's actual youth when he was a young child instead of a young adult as we're meeting him. 
Maybe there was violence perpetrated on his family by the Empire. Maybe his family had some sort of internal violence. But whatever it is, we know that Han either didn't remember or didn't want that name. But not wanting the name is more powerful to me. You know, at this point, with everything we know about Corellia, which isn't a lot, we can also just imagine things that are happy-making to us. Maybe as a part of the Empire putting their boot on the neck of Corellia and saying, hey, nice little ship-building tradition you have on this planet, we'll just take that. Maybe as part of that, they just took Corellian's names. Names are power. It's a big part of Star Wars is who are you? What is your name? What is your lineage? Uh, is it important or not what your lineage is? So that would be a really cool story if the Empire came and said, oh, we're, we're just going to call you by your first names. We're going to take your last names. That would have some rhythm with the idea of the First Order kidnapping children and just giving them numbers. So maybe it's even possible that Han and his family were stripped of their last names. Regardless, as we're meeting Han, whether it is a rejection, whether it is a stripping away, or whether it is a lack of memory, he does not have a last name. Personally, I'm most intrigued by the idea that Han has rejected the family name. I think that makes the most sense with what we hear in the movie because he says he didn't get along with his father. But then we have this scene, this scene that I love that a lot of people mentioned in their grievances where Han and Lando talk about their dads. And Han makes this explicit connection between the Falcon and his father and says that his dad worked on building these things. Now, I don't think that's a direct contradiction because I know people in real life who remember their childhood, know what their parents did, but have something in their past that makes them not want to carry on that name, not want to take that person or those people, their parents' legacy. So to me, it's not like a, a plot hole or a problem. It's more story to be told. But what it does represent to me is that maybe Han is torn. We see again and again in his relationships that he is torn between this desire to connect with people and this desire to be this stoic, cool, solo guy who doesn't need anyone. So I like that this scene offers us that tension that he has rejected his father. He didn't get along with his father, but this ship represents his father in a way. Being a part of the Millennium Falcon for him, not literally, but owning the Millennium Falcon, getting to fly the Millennium Falcon, getting to be a part of this legacy of his family, his father, his Corellian culture, it's a way to have some kind of intimacy, some kind of connection to his past, but in a way that he can easily reject. And the idea that maybe his father wanted to pilot a Falcon, a Millennium Falcon, or a Corellian YT freighter, that is interesting and powerful to me because this is the son surpassing the father. Maybe this is a part of where Han's longing for adventure comes from and longing for freedom. Maybe that's one of the reasons he rejects his father. Maybe his father just took the abuse that the Empire piled on. Maybe Han doesn't like his father because he was not as brave as Han thinks people should be. Maybe he didn't fight enough. And maybe for Han, that connection to the Falcon to this piece of great Corellian shipbuilding is I'm going to do what the people before me couldn't. I'm going to get in this ship built on my planet. Perhaps even my father put hands on it, and I am going to go out into the galaxy and do what they couldn't. 
I also think there's a possibility that that moment in the cockpit is about his father. They're literally talking about dads. But I think it is a much larger sense of who your people are, and more importantly, what your culture is. We know that Corellia is a shipbuilding planet. They build the best Corellian ships, or the best ships, period. Uh, and we've seen that going back to some of Han Solo's first lines in Star Wars when he is bragging about what the Falcon can do and the kind of ships they've escaped. And he says, I'm not talking about the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Corellian ships. I might have been paraphrasing there. Uh, I'm not playing trivia, so I'm not going to lose any points. My uh, point is that he talks even then about the Corellian ships. What's really impressive when you are a mercenary, a smuggler, a rebel, is to not just evade an Imperial ship, but one of the big ones that was made on Corellia. I think Han does, even though he calls himself Solo, well, he gets called Solo and lives with it, we'll get more to that, uh, even though he has this whole Solo attitude, he has this pride in his people. This is a, a, an example of where thinking of real-world things helps me think about Star Wars. I can certainly imagine somebody who comes from a long line of people who built something, who made something, that the whole area in which you grew up in is maybe you're a steel town. You come from a steel town. Generations back, your parents are involved in the steel trade. Maybe you don't like your mother or your father. Maybe you have a problem with them. Maybe you need to get away from them. But you have pride in what your people, your culture has always done. And I think there's some of that in that scene with uh, with Han about the the Falcon represents the power of Corellia before it was even uh, corrupted by the Empire, maybe. And Han likes flying around that part of his tradition and his culture. Anyway, with all that said, let's get back into the true moment, the moment of the name-giving. Han is separated from Kira in this daring escape from Corellia, this daring escape from the shadow of the Empire, he thinks. And then he is forced to turn around. His only possibility for safety is running right into the Empire's cold, cold arms. And the first Imperial he meets is Recruitment Officer Chief Droud Munbrin. This is according to the Han Solo official guide. That's right. If you think Solo is a dumb name for an Imperial to make up, please remember that Imperial's name is Drawd Munbrin. It could have been so much worse. Anyway, now personally, I love this scene. I'm glad to know Chief Drawd Munbrin's name so I can attempt to memorize it and use it often. I think the actor is great. I think Alden Ehrenreich does a great job in this scene. It is a scene about missed connections. It is a scene where Han is accepting something that he doesn't want to accept, that his only chance at a shot of getting out, getting to be a pilot, the best pilot in the galaxy, is to run to the Empire, which he doesn't like. Moments ago, when he was in line with Kira, he said, we're going to go somewhere the Empire can't find us. And where does he end up? In the Empire's arms. And who does he encounter? A colder, old, bored man. A man who sniffles with boredom at this dumb waif in front of him, this dumb orphan who would want to come back to Corellia. 
this crap hole that Drawd Mundrin is stuck on, grabbing up dumb recruits. And what does this uh, person do? He asks Han if he has any people. In this vulnerable moment where Han is just trying to escape, this cold, mean officer asks him perhaps the most cutting question he can, who are your people? And even though Han is in a rush, he stops and he thinks about it and he says, I don't have any people. And then he gets his name as a only okay improv suggestion, really, from Drawd Munbrin. Now, here is why I like that this happens. Not only do I like the scene, the performance of Drawd Munbrin, I think he performs it with the, the right note of, yes, we are giving the character his name, but I don't think he's winking at the camera. I think he's just playing a bored guy who needs to put a name into the system so he can get this kid out of the way and go on and get the next kid and then get to his lunch break. I think he plays that really, really well. But more than anything, I love that Han gets his name from the Empire because it shows how much the Empire impacts everything. Again, moments ago, Han was lying to himself that he and Kira could run somewhere the Empire can't find them. And what we learned throughout the film Solo, everything is impacted by the Empire or young, angry, rebellious people fighting for their freedom, resisting the Empire. Everyone and everything is being impacted by this growing civil war and the tyranny of the Empire to the point where Han can't escape it ever. He should know that because it's his name. His very name is a reminder that he can't ignore this fight. And as we get to know the character of Han Solo through the original trilogy and through his uh, appearance in the sequel trilogy in The Force Awakens and even his spirit lingering throughout The Last Jedi, we know that this is, in some ways, the core of Han's character is thinking he can run from something, and then always, always, when he truly deeply needs to, he turns back and he faces it. And in a way, that's what happened with his name. His name has been given to him by the Empire, an entity that he will fight for almost all of his days in one way or another. Now let's talk a little bit more about Han's specific response, that he doesn't have any people. I think there are a couple different ways to interpret it. I think uh, everyone should interpret it in the way that makes him feel the very best about how Han Solo got his name. To me, uh, the main way I feel it is it is in the moment. He has just lost Kira. He's already come up with a plan and said it out loud to Chief Drawd Munbrin that he's going to go become a great pilot, turn around, come back to Corellia to get Kira. Kira is his people. I feel like a lot of what is happening there is just the pain and the loss of Kira and also the realization that this little fantasy he had a few minutes ago about escaping with Kira, getting somewhere away from the Empire, is gone. He's joining up with the Empire. Kira is separated from him, and he is truly alone. He is truly going to embrace the name Solo, whether he likes it or not, because in this moment... He has no choice. Now, in terms of how it relates back to his family, I feel like if the story was that he didn't remember his family name, he would just say, I don't know my name. 
or maybe he even could have said, I don't go by that name. But I feel like there's something deeper. I think there's something too deep for Han to say out loud to random Chief Drawed Munbrin about that truth of his original family name. And to me, I'm fine letting that continue to be this interesting mystery with all these possibilities. But I think I don't have any people is that realization I lost Kira and I'm alone. And it's not really on Han's mind to be thinking, should I give him my original name, which is Dudaha? I was born Han Dudaha, but I had a really bad falling out with my father, so uh, I'm not going to go by Dudaha. Or maybe it just is. His name was Dudaha. I just made that up. But maybe it was just Dudaha, and he's like, no, I want to go out there and be uh, a force to reckon with in the galaxy. That's not going to sound really cool when I'm like, Han Dudaha, Captain of the Millennium Falcon. No. So I think there could be many different things going on, but most importantly to me, it's the pain of that realization that I don't have any choice, I don't have any people, I am solo. It's me against the galaxy. I also think it's really cool because it's not like uh, an immigration officer. It's not like he was just trying to get on a planet. It's not like he had just escaped to Coruscant and some bored immigration officer said, fine, your name is Han Solo. No, he immediately went into the military where everyone is going to call him by his last name. A bunch of insufferable jerks are going to yell at him and use that name. That name, Solo, is suddenly going to get drilled into him by being yelled again and again at him probably right after he disobeys orders. So maybe, maybe you can even imagine that he starts to make this really positive association because when he hears someone go, Solo, it means he was just being cocky, he was just being defiant, he was just fighting back against the system. Regardless, he has called that name for three years until we meet up with him again. And clearly, by that point, he's accepted his name because he keeps introducing himself as that. After he escaped from the Empire, he could have turned around and he could have told Tobias Beckett and Val and Rio Durant, actually, my name is Han Dudaha. Or he could have made up an even cooler name. He could say, I'm Han Blastermouth, if that's the kind of thing that Han thinks is cool. I don't know if that's a cool name, but you know what I mean. So Han could have changed his name, but he didn't. And that's where it gets interesting to me of why. I think that Han taking pride in the name Solo is like culturally when someone tries to throw a curse at you, an insult, and you make that your own. He has come to own the name Solo. He has come to let it define him. He wears it as a badge of honor. Sure, it was given to him by a bored imperial officer in a moment of great vulnerability, focusing cruelly on the fact that he was alone and had no one and had no family name, had no one to go with him, had no other choices or resources, that would be, possibly, a name that would bum someone out. But instead, Han digs into it. Han finds meaning in it. And more than anything, it's a name that he gave meaning. So his last name is Han Imperial Insult. And instead of changing it, he made it his own. We know that Han literally wants to go out into the galaxy and make a name for himself. He wants people to know that he is Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon. He wants people to know that he is someone to be reckoned with. He wants to be 
a big name in the galaxy. He wants people to hear Han Solo and go, you mean the great pilot? And in fact, we even get to see this come true in The Force Awakens. When they say Han Solo, you know, the great rebel leader, the smuggler, he, over the course of this long saga, gives that name meaning. It should be an empty, pointless name, and he gives it meaning. That's such a great contrast to the whole Skywalker saga, where the value is uh, not only the lineage, but the lineage as it's defined by the name. You are a Skywalker. Kylo Ren has Skywalker blood. Luke is the son of Skywalker. There's so much weight given to that name as it reflects lineage. And Solo is an imperial insult that Han made mean something. And maybe that is even why Han and Leia's child, Ben, is named Ben Solo. Not Ben Organa, not Ben Solo Organa, not Ben Solo Organa Skywalker, not Ben Skylogana, or any other name combination of all of his lineage. It's Ben Solo. Now, I have faith that eventually... That iceberg will be revealed by all the Lucasfilm storytelling, and we will learn exactly why Han and Leia decided to name their son Ben Solo. But for now, just in headcanon world, it's fun to imagine that when they had their child and they were talking about last names, maybe Han's opened up to Leia. Maybe he's told her the weird truth that he got his last name from an Imperial recruitment officer when he was escaping Corellia and... Maybe Leia said to him, like, look, look what you did with that name. You had nothing. You came from nothing, and you created something that resonated across the galaxy. People know Han Solo the smuggler. People know Han Solo the rebel leader. We are going to pass that legacy that you created onto your son. And even after their son goes evil, or at least tries to go evil, he still can't shake that name after Ben Solo falls to the dark side and says, oh, Ben Solo is weak, I will destroy him, I will become Kylo Ren. He still can't escape the legacy of that name and what Han Solo has made his own name mean. When Snoke wants to taunt Kylo, he says he has too much of his father's spirit in him and is a real insult. Snoke calls him Young Solo. There are so many great ideas in Star Wars about what names truly mean, about what lineage truly means, and I think learning about how Han got his name, where it came for, what he accepted, and what he rejected within the whole naming process, and how he passed it on to his son. His son tried to reject it and can't seem to shake it, That is a fresh and interesting story of how names and lineage work in Star Wars. Side note, it is very fun to rewatch Solo and imagine that you've never seen the original trilogy. Imagine you've only seen the sequel trilogy and imagine that this is a prequel to only the sequel trilogy and the film is actually titled Kylo Ren's Dad, A Solo Story. We think so much about Kylo from his uh, Skywalker blood, his Skywalker lineage. He's Luke's nephew. He's Leia's son. He's Darth Vader's grandson. But watching Solo, you really remember this character is Han Solo's child. And what rhythms are there 
between father and son in their youth. If someone played the movie Solo, A Star Wars Story for Kylo, would it bring him back to the light? Fascinating stuff to me. So anyway, I think there are some bigger, meatier ideas to be found in the fact that Han was just assigned this name and that he rejected or had his birth name stripped or was maybe never given a birth name and that this was given to him by the Empire, a shadow that he fights to get away from for a huge amount of his life. The fact that he passed that name on to his son, that he chose to keep that name when he could have gotten rid of it again and again. All of that is interesting to me, but I think the big thing and my big counseling is You can't escape the truth of your name. Kind of paraphrasing Laura Santeca at the beginning of The Force Awakens there, but what I mean by that is this name has always been a Star Wars name that's meaning is not hard to detect. Han is a loner, or rather somebody who wants to think that he is a loner, named Solo. I still remember the day on the playground where the dime dropped for me, where I was like, oh, cool. Han Solo wants to be Solo. So it's it's not incredibly deep, but we're in a time where we look at films with a even more uh, a critical eye and look at what the idea is, look at what the depth is, and I think the movie, Solo, did a really great job of trying to give that name some depth while also reinforcing the simple truth of what that name has always been. His name has always been a little too on the nose with some really juicy irony flowing underneath. And I think the way the name was given, the fact that it was given, is making the irony explicit. Han claims to be a loner, but we, the audience, from his very first story in A New Hope, know he is not. Han claims he doesn't have people, but he does. Even in the movie Solo, Han thinks he wants to be with Kira, but... He finds some people, particularly in Chewie. He finds someone in Chewie, and he's still calling himself Solo. We know that Han is drawn to people. He claims to not have people, but he's always ending up with people. He's drawn to do the right thing. He's drawn particularly to help people who probably remind him of himself. Young, headstrong orphans. Luke, Enfys Nest, Ray. He turns into a big softy as soon as he encounters any of those characters. Han wants to believe that his last name is true, that he is Solo. But again and again, the galaxy presents him with situations in which he cannot escape the fact that that name is not a true representation of the good guy who has the name Solo. So that's some of my my big picture counseling ideas, but I do want to go through a few other ideas if you're still like, yeah, those ideas are neat, uh, but it still bugs me. This name is much better than some of the other Star Wars names that Imperials could have given him. Again, Chief Drawd Munbrin could have given Han a name like, hey, you're Han Thrankpor. Uh, you're Han Dude Belt. Uh, there's no one with you. You're... Han Sad Apostrophe Guy, uh, Gramphanate, Humperdink, Shard Whip, who knows? There are a lot of names. He could have just called him your Han Vowel Consonant. That's going to be your last name, Vowel Consonant. 
We know that there are a lot of really bad, dumb names in Star Wars. And Munbrin could have just said, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't have any children. I'm going to call you Munbrin. You're Han Munbrin. And if that doesn't make you feel better, here's even another thing. You could have the headcanon that every name in Star Wars that bugs you, every name that is a little too on the nose, a little too dumb, it's this guy. It's Chief Drawed Munbrin. It's this one damn officer. He has somehow, maybe he has access to the world between worlds, and he has traveled to different times, giving beloved characters dumb names. Maybe he named Elon Slesbegano. Maybe he named Savage Opress. Perhaps he is in charge of Darth names. Maybe it's not Drawed Munbrin. Maybe it is Darth Munbrin. He is a secret Sith acolyte not technically part of the rule of two, and he exists just to make up names. We weren't given any reason why Darth Sidious picked the name Darth Vader for Anakin. Uh, It was just next down on the list, just a list of names that somehow, going way back into the millennia, into the past of Star Wars, uh, Darth Munbrin has always been alive, and he just made a long list of mean names. He's got Darth Nasty, Darth Meanie Pants, Darth Snakeface, and when Anakin fell, oh, well, if Anakin had fallen just a little bit earlier, he would have been Darth Tyrannus, but they used Darth Tyrannus, so now they are on to Darth Vader. Ooh, I shake my fist at you, Drawed Munbrin, Darth Drawed Munbrin, you bastard. Anyway, my final bit of counseling is dipping into the real world. Now, I have always heard the story that George Lucas was trying to come up with his Star Wars names, and he saw a red Solo cup. And he was like, yeah, Solo, cool, because he's like a loner, Solo. Now, before I sat down to record this, I tried to Google. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Right now, it's really difficult to Google Solo, Red Cup, George Lucas, and not come up with just a lot of advertisements for Solo actually having a tie-in with Solo Cups. It's hard to figure out. So I'm not sure, as I record this, if this is urban myth or if there's an interview that I can't currently find that actually confirms that George Lucas did name Han Solo after the Red Solo Cup. This is one of those things that I heard when I was a kid and I have believed. This is one of my uh, playground truths, but I do like to question my playground truths and find to find try to find actual factual evidence. So maybe uh, someone out there finds that factual evidence. Uh, maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe it is an urban myth. I don't know right now. But assuming that it is true, that in the real world, George Lucas gave this amazing, iconic character this cool, badass name that people have loved for years after a dumb plastic cup. You have to, at some point, take a step back and say, if that is how the character truly got his name in real life, maybe that gives us a a hint on the perspective we should take on whether or not it's dumb how he got the name in the movie. Because isn't this much better to have his name be given to him by an Imperial officer cruelly reflecting the hard truth of Han's life? Isn't that better than... An Imperial walks by with a cup. And Drawed Munbrin turns and says, uh, Solo. I don't know. Maybe it'll make a good product tie-in someday. You're Han Solo. I think it is better myself. 
Anyway, I hope some of those thoughts, walking through it, sharing my perspective, sharing some nice, fun, absurd headcanon for uh, how this could have happened and how it could have been even worse, I hope some of that uh, helps you. I, I hope the thought of there are still questions to be answered in terms of Solo's youth. And for me, exactly what happened between Han and his family on Corellia, why Han rejected that name, I'm going to go ahead and say, personally, I don't need to see that iceberg. I am at peace just knowing that Han was a troubled youth who ran away, who for some reason can't take that name. He can take that legacy. He can be a part of Corellia. He can take pride in the ships that his father's hands helped to build, but he can't accept that name. And instead, he has to go out in the galaxy and he has to forge a name for himself. And he has to take something that was given to him with a dismissive sniff. And he has to make it so powerful that his own son will be unable to escape the kindness, the truth, the heroism, and the fighting spirit that he, Han, made the name Solo mean across the galaxy. Thanks to all who sent in this great grievance. I think it is one of the biggest uh, things for Star Wars fans to discuss, debate, and hopefully go toward the light and feel better about, which is the whole point of this podcast, Star Wars Counseling. Thank you for the other solo grievances you've sent in. I'll be getting to more of them over the next couple weeks and months, and I can't wait to dig in. If you have grievances about Solo, about older movies, about anything Star Wars related, feel free to send them to me. Uh, I notice that sometimes lately people have been sending me questions that they have that's just uh, something they've been thinking a lot about or something that they want to hear kind of a more deep dive on, and I'm fine with that. Uh, they don't have to be something that makes you passionately angry. They could be something that's like, what? Uh, what's the deal with that? I'm not sure if this makes sense. And I appreciate uh, that people are sending in deep dive questions as uh, well as grievances, as well as, ooh, this bugs me so much. It's also fine to say, ooh, I'm curious about this. Let's talk about it. So send in uh, any of those grievances, any of those deep dive questions, and use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling so I can find them. That's counseling spelled with one S. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw, the name my mother and father gave me, not Drawd Munbrin. Take that, Drawd. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. You can check out my uh, live comedy albums. I have one about Star Wars called Rebel Scum. You can check out my live shows. I got a couple of shows coming up, and I'll be performing at a convention in Minnesota called Convergence, the 4th of July weekend. Info on all that is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod. And you can buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. We recently unlocked commentary for The Last Jedi, so we will be making audio and video commentary soon for The Last Jedi. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it. For Star Wars Counseling.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.